0: This show is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader and talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
2: We're armed with Gene and Grumpy
3: Chris. <laughs> Not always grumpy. Come on. Well, you know what? You have this avatar on Skype.
2: You're smiling. That's the Did way I? I like to remember you and think of you.
3: Well, well, you know, when you go to an event like uh, Chaos in the Desert or contact in the desert and see all the bliss bunnies and the wonderful love and light folks that are slowly edging ufology away from any sort of semblance of objectivity. It's kind of hard not to get grumpy, but, you know, I should take Greg uh, Bishop and uh, Red Pill Junkies advice and just not buy into it. You know, it's, it's a personal problem that these people have. You know, it's not, there's nothing you can do about it, bitching and moaning, being grumpy. So I just had fun while I was there. I did uh, a poll, which uh, got quite a quite a number of uh, <laughs> responses. Um, basically, the question was: Does Giorgio, you know, use a male hair product, or does he use Aquanet? Uh, wear a this is not uh, about Donald Trump, is it? No, it's about Giorgio Suclos, ancient alien, Mister Hair Hair Guy. So I had a lot of fun. Somebody added a new uh, poll you know multiple question answer which is uh sticking his finger in a light socket you know when i elbow my way through the crowd of women around his little booth i did pose the question on camera to him and he instantly said he puts his um finger into a socket to get that hair effect so i guess the truth uh, now is out we've settled the controversy and i was able to get out from the azalea bush- azalea bushes where i was hiding so i wouldn't be kicked out for being a Crasher, I'm going to put together a video for the, after the Paracast crowd uh, or the Paracast Plus crowd and show uh, some of the craziness that went on at 105 degree heat. Um, it's just, it, it's just brutal. I mean, I went into the cafeteria, you know, it's $20 for lunch, right? And they have these little tiny wheat thin sized slices of, well, I can't even call them a pizza slice, just little chunks of pizza. And they were ice cold. I mean, they could barely keep the cafeteria below 90. And uh, for 20 bucks, you'd think at least the pizza would be warm, uh, the poor wilted kale salad. I mean, that's a real money maker, Gene. Those people are really generating some major cash flow there. The people that own the retreat center also are putting on the, the event. So it just has to be seen to be believed. But, you know, make sure you wear your air-conditioned underwear because you're going to need it.
2: I would think they'd be able to offer hot pizza just by leaving it
3: outside. You would think, right? (laughs) But no. So anyway, yeah, if that makes me grumpy, that makes me grumpy. What can I say? I'm going to try to turn over a new banana leaf and, you know, kind of work on my attitude a little bit. I don't know.
2: I think we sometimes need to have an attitude that's a little bit grumpy. Because some of the things that go on in this crazy universe make us feel grumpy. You think? Oh. You know, the reason I maintain an even keel is not because of John Keel, by the way. An even keel is because I am a trained radio broadcaster. So they always said, you got to be cheery. No matter what's happening, you've got to be
4: cheery. I remember...
2: (laughs) Did you ever hear Hillary Clinton do the dog bark? Every time she opens her mouth. Oh, just a minute. Ba-boom. But seriously, there is something out there. Now, the one we use... For the Tech Night Out Live is Howard Dean. Remember, Howard Dean went ah. Well, he went yeehaw. <laughs> right. Well, Howard Dean did that, and that was it. His presidential campaign was toast. Right. Donald Trump does worse
3: things. Yes. He, well, we won't even go there.
2: He's in an audience, say, "Oh, there's a Jew over there. Hi, Jew. Oh, there's a Black American over there. I mean,
3: all right." Well, let's you know not get too far into the political discussion here, but I will say I made a fake movie trailer called the Hurricane Hillary Express, and I morphed Hillary's very distinctive cackle into the cackle of the Wicked Witch of the East from the Wizard of Oz. And I'll tell you that it's it just morphs perfectly, and it's it's actually quite frightening. Let's do this
2: on After the Powercast this week. Let's play the audio of that.
3: I could probably figure out a way to do it, uh, or you could just go to my uh, YouTube channel and dial it up. Hmm. You see, my wife does that. My wife does
2: a really good imitation of the wicked witch's laugh, and her laugh is very, you know, very soft and girlish. But she does his imitation, and then she imitates Clinton's laugh. Okay. Well. All right.
3: So I don't know. She might be able to duplicate it for us. Well, I could probably probably find that section of audio and pull it out. Well, that would be good. I think we could really have fun there.
2: (laughs) I mean, not that any of this makes any sense to anybody, but I think what's happened this year, and this is not about any particular political candidate, although maybe it is, and that is the TV networks have revealed their true colors. They are profit-making businesses, it's not liberal media. It's not conservative media. It is corporate media. They are here to make a profit. They don't care one whit about the news unless they get eyeballs on their websites, clicks on their ads, and ratings. If it's none of the above, they'll change their story.
3: No. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the American way.
2: The American way, Indeed. That's right. I don't know. We've got some really, really terrific guests coming up on the show. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be hearing from Robert Damon Schneck. Now, that's a perfect author's name, by the way. Some people have names that are perfect for writing books, and he's got one of them. He has a book called The Bye Bye Man and Other Strange But True Tales. And It's nice to have a place with ghost stories. Nice to have a ghost story episode. So we'll have that. We'll have a lot of fun with him. And then we've got Joseph Farrell returning for kind of a breakaway civilization roundtable. And since we're doing that, we've asked Walter Bosley to return to be one of the panelists. I think we're going to have a great time. So that's in the next two weeks.
3: Did you notice that uh, the producer, uh, uh, Jim Mars, PR person, contacted us requesting uh, a slot for Jim to be on the show. He was one of the few speakers uh, at Contact in the Desert that I would have gone and seen if I had uh, paid my $270 or however much it was. Uh, uh, Danny Sheehan was there, um, also, uh, I think, eminently listenable. Um, Of course, uh, the always uh, irrepressible Richard Dolan. Uh, There were a number of people that were there that I, I, I really felt Sort of lifted it above its uh, prior years uh, speaker lineups. So it'd be neat to have Jim Mars on. I don't. He's not been on the show since I've been a co-host. I'm not even sure if he, was he on in the early years. Gene?
2: He was on with I think Paul Kimball. I'm going to have to look it up.
3: Yeah, it'd be great to have him back. He's uh, Jim's. Jim's just a really, really top-notch researcher and 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 uh, and pretty level-headed. I think uh, even though. Some of his uh, his work is pretty out there. <laughs> it's
2: March 7th, 2010, and this was one of our early co-hosts who no longer does it, and that's Frank Warren. So if you want to hear the first episode we did with Jim Mars, it's March 7th, 2010, Frank Warren and Jim Mars. And we call Jim Mars the czar of conspiracy
3: theorists. What yeah. Plus, we should do a listener roundtable, too. I think we're about uh, about at that point in the year where um, we should touch bases with with our very, very uh, up-to-speed and, and, in many cases, brilliant listeners. Uh, go ahead and throw it out there and, and sort of let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> or let the may
2: fall where they chip. Yeah. Well, that, too. All right. We'll let the may fall where they chip. Today... Colonel John B. Alexander, the non-lethal guy, all right? He hasn't been on for a couple of years. And I thought it was high time we'd get him back on. Now, this guy's got a great life, by the way. You know, he's out there. He swims in the morning. Then he'll come and do the show. And I don't know what he'll do in the afternoon, maybe sit back and have a cocktail. What a life. We'll have to ask him about what he does and how he does it. Because I would like to know. And Chris would like to know. You know, he's got... 26 jobs right now grumpy chris i'd be grumpy too if i was like that in any case john b alexander with gene and chris you're in the Paragast. do you need a website well you can get a great deal on hosting services with namecheap's legendary coupon code
5: Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non attorney spokesperson. Injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office Las Vegas, Nevada
6: darkcitydefense.com was born in black mountain at the foot of the black mountain range in north carolina from the dark city as it's affectionately been named we built an online firearms pro store that boasts a vast range of firearms optics and outdoor supplies with aggressively low everyday pricing and a free gift pack with every firearms purchase darkcitydefense.com is committed to tier one customer service and overcoming darkness by turning on the light of liberty find the light in our logo and find out more at darkcitydefense.com
7: The following is an incredible, life-changing, free offer for anyone with hearing problems who wants to start hearing everything more clearly again. We're now offering free in-home trials of a revolutionary hearing breakthrough called Listen Clear to anyone who calls this special toll-free number now, 1-800-957-9364. Call in the next 10 minutes and you'll also qualify for free shipping and free batteries for life. Listen Clear is precisely designed by top audio engineers. It adjusts to let you find the perfect way to hear everything, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And Listen Clear is so invisible, people may not even know you're wearing it. And it's so lightweight, you may even forget you're wearing it too. Don't miss this special life-changing opportunity to hear everything more clearly again for free with a 100% free in-home trial, free shipping, and even free batteries for life. For free information, call now. 1-800-957-9364 That's 1-800-957-9364 1-800-957-9364
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: We're joined by Colonel John B. Alexander this week on the Paracast. It's a couple of years since he appeared with us. And just before... He came on, he was telling me that he was having kind of a midday breakfast, is it? Is that what you were just eating?
9: No, it's lunch, but it's just the first time that I eat. Uh,
2: so you I, no longer uh, eat breakfast. I have to have breakfast.
9: Uh, I meet with us. We have the Special Forces dinosaurs that get together every Wednesday morning, which this is. And uh, like I said, I just don't start eating until about noon. Being an owl, I much prefer later than uh, these early risers.
2: It's funny. I've been calling myself the Tech Night Owl for, I don't know, 15 years now. And the thing is here is that these days, I go to sleep by about 10 o'clock or so. And I'm up about 6. So I don't know what kind of night owl I am
3: anymore.
9: No, midnight's early for me.
3: (laughs) Well, welcome back to the show, John. It's been a long time. Uh, good to hear your voice.
9: Hi, Chris.
3: How's Victoria doing?
9: Oh, very well. Very well. Yeah,
3: you guys still traveling up a storm like you were uh, last year?
9: Uh, a fair amount. Recently back from uh, Brazil. Ah. And, uh, some of the stuff that happened there, but...
3: Uh, yeah, I'm very interested yeah, to, to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's hard to keep up with you sometimes. <laughs> So uh, you, you're still doing your journeys, uh, checking out uh, shamanic uh, traditions and healing modalities, and that uh, yeah,
9: things of that to, uh, The next uh, next scheduled one is diving with great white sharks. Oh. A little different. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, depending on when the last time was that we talked. Uh,
3: you had just swam with the with the gray whales, I believe.
9: Uh, oh, okay. I was going to say two years ago we yeah. were with the humpback whales in uh, Tonga.
3: Well, as okay. someone that's had to deal with a lot of politicians in your uh, your uh, long and storied career, you've had a lot of practice swimming with sharks. So uh, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Too alarmed <laughs> by that. You're not going down to South Africa, are you? Where they where they leap out of the water and grab seals and stuff?
9: No, this is Isle de Guadalupe, which is a couple hundred miles off Mexico.
3: Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, uh, yeah, warmer climbs
9: dark, You'll you'll see that uh, island uh, quite a bit.
3: So I hope you, hope they're going to give you a cage, or you're just going to scare them off yeah. with your. Uh, yeah, yeah,
9: this is with, cage. We, we actually were scheduled a year ago. And uh, Hurricane Patrick came through and disrupted things. Even though it went in further south, uh, the waters were, I guess, too choppy. They said you got to go a couple of hundred miles once you've checked in in Mexico itself. So it got, say, got delayed.
3: Well, uh, I don't think I need to wish you luck because you wouldn't do it if you thought you needed some. So uh, you know, I I'd have fun. Uh, well, close-
9: another adventure.
3: Boy, I'll say. Um, you, sh- you should uh, give workshops so uh, other people can figure out how to, <laughs> how to do the amount of traveling uh, to interesting places and uh, meet intriguing people uh, like you do.
9: So where do we want to go today?
3: Well, that's a good question. We've got uh, we've got quite a bit that we can talk about. Uh, anything on your mind lately that's uh, stuff that uh, you've been researching or working on? We'd love to uh, catch up uh, with your Process a little bit and talk, uh, you know, well, some about your travels.
9: Given the show, uh, did have an interesting incident last November. Uh, had my second UFO sighting. And what was significant about that was I was down visiting, was in North Carolina, visiting an individual who had a, a story that uh, if I had just listened to it, we would have you know, chucked it off and just say, this is just too impossible, which includes abduction and missing time, and interaction with some kind of creepy crawlers and some robotic things and UFOs sitting there and continuing events. So uh, Victoria and I went down last November and we uh, the individual took us to the site where this had taken place. In the area sort of what I call transitional. It's uh, quasi-rural, but you know, close to metropolitan area and building up. So I went down, explained where everything had uh, had occurred. It was down near a river and really muddy and hard to get to. So we came back up uh, early evening, just getting dark. And we're standing by the car just chit-chatting about, you know, background material. And all of a sudden, he says, oh, I feel they're here. And within 15 seconds, something just popped into sight above us and went zipping off to the south. So the sighting itself wasn't that, you know, dramatic, but it's the temporal relationship where the individual said, I feel they're here and... Sure
3: enough, it appears. Well, that let's talk about that a little bit. Now, I have talked with a number of people over the years that claim to have some sort of ability, such as you describe, uh, of picking up some sort of energy field. Or uh, I'm not exactly sure, you know, what people are picking up. Ray Stanford comes to mind. Um, he's he's someone that uh, claims right. that he can tell when when things are around. What? Did, is this a consciousness thing? Is it a physiological thing, picking up on possibly uh, changes in magnetic field or gravitational fields? Uh, what do you think? What's behind that?
9: Well, I have a slide that I use in all of my presentations on phenomena and some others. And in it, it depicts, uh, of course, UFOs and near death experience, after death, uh, fire walking psychokinesis, or metal bending, uh, even sesquash and whatnot. And the words that go with that is I think all of these are interrelated somehow. Now, I can't be exactly sure how, but I believe that consciousness is a piece of that. One of the problems that we have and often on shows like this where they try to stovepipe and they say, okay, we're talking about UFOs or poltergeists or psychokinesis or whatnot, and look at them you know, in isolation, and I argue that's a mistake.
3: I couldn't agree more. Uh, I've been an advocate for some sort of unified field theory work uh, for quite a while. My trickster book was an attempt to begin that process because I found that Oftentimes, there's a trick, tricksterish element that seems to, I don't know, be be consistent almost uh, throughout the literature. There's always some inexplicable thing that uh, tends to be uh, held back uh, oftentimes by the witness because for fear that it would call the rest of the experience or account into question. I find that oftentimes uh, some of the mo- more compelling elements of a particular Series of events or, or event is the inexplicable nature of an element of that. Do you think that there's also a physical, uh, besides consciousness? Do you think that there's a way for the human body to be tuned to changes in
9: well, environmental? Yeah, obviously that happens. That there is a physiological response of some kind.
3: We
2: have John Alexander with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs>
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
11: Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur Dex for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for life too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877 Again, 877
12: This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait you can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620.
13: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today.
0: To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182.
14: Hi, this is Ron Paul. I'm a former 22-year congressman and Republican presidential candidate. I'm here to tell you about something that just might save your lives. You never know when there will be another Katrina, an economic collapse, or a serious drought. We should all have a little food storage that will carry us through tough times. I'm going to tell you about a great way to do that. A U.S. company named Harvest Right has a kitchen appliance that can help you be prepared. It's a home freeze dryer. With the product, you can preserve the food your family loves. And the best part is the food will last 25 years and still taste great. I've tried it, and it's amazing. With a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right, you can literally freeze dry anything you eat even things like ice cream. To learn more, call Harvest Right today at 800-594-4635 or go to HarvestRight.com. That's 800-594-4635 or HarvestRight.com.
15: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Paracast.
2: So as the discussion started with Colonel John Alexander talking about the possibilities here of a unified field theory accounting for all the ins and outs of a paranormal experience, it's not just a ghost, it's not just a UFO. Chris asked a question of Colonel Alexander. Would you continue your response, please?
9: Well, I think one of the things that he asked about or mentioned is really quite important and almost ubiquitous. And that is the trickster component. And one of the problems you have is none of these things ever always fit. No matter what you do when you're setting phenomena, usually you start down a path and all of a sudden you see a significant shift. If you take UFOs, look at how many times, you know, the whole context has changed from old airships to whether having uh, more abductions, the kinds of things that are seen, etc., Um, But the trickster tends to show up. I might mention uh, what's colloquially known as Skinwalker Ranch. As you know, I worked for Bob and had spent time up there. And there were very, very strange things that, that happened, no doubt about it. And we had, you know, the ranch instrumented. And it was kind of amazing how many things would happen, like, just off camera. And I've always said that there seems to be some kind of higher consciousness at play that certainly has a a sense of humor. And you start studying something, and then it's like, whatever that is, the controlling force goes, ah, you like that? Try this. And throws, you know, something from left field at you.
3: (laughs) Well, the classic example would be the the one camera filming the other camera and having the one camera... Not pick up how the the wires were jerked out of the camera on, in 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 view. I mean that to me is is one of the classics of the literature, especially with the kind of uh, talent that was up there. Uh, you know, in real time observing this, it, it's just inconceivable to me that uh, a scientist wouldn't walk away from that uh, convinced that there was something really uh, almost. I don't know. I uh, the trickster uh, word is is kind of overused and I think it's a little bit misunderstood by most people out there. I know you you uh you're well aware of it. We're being toyed with in 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 one sense of the word. It's it's uh it's almost like a cat and mouse game. It's like how how much yep. can it do before you just throw your hands up and just say that's it. <laughs> I've had enough.
2: <laughs> I said that a long time ago, folks. I really did. I mean, you look at this year's election in the U.S. and you know the trickster is working
3: overtime.
9: <laughs> I assume we're not doing a political show, although we can if you
3: wish. We've been spanked here in recent weeks for uh, diving into the political realm. A lot of our listeners—that's a lot—they they tune into our show to get away from all that. So we do, yeah. we do try to, you know, dole it out in, in uh, bite-sized increments. So, let's put it that way.
9: <laughs> I would ask then if you saw my last publication in the huffington post called the day democracy died
2: oh boy well okay you raised the issue please tell me more
3: let's go there definitely
2: okay we're well, gonna get spanked here so let me put on my kevlar suit okay this is the kevlar suit that has all those back utilities go ahead
9: No, you don't really have to. I say the day democracy died, and it had been on life support before, but was 21 January uh, 2010. Uh, That's the day that uh, Citizens United uh, came down and just changed everything. uh, You know, where, as Romney famously said, corporations are people. We have just ridiculous amounts of money being put in and that it goes to, without knowing where it comes from, the lack of transparency with the PACs and super PACs where the donors don't have to be uh, named. One of the things I point to in the article, I said, you know, Tip O'Neill once said, uh, all politics is local. That is no longer true. That may be where you go to vote, but you see now external funds come in for instance, a uh, member the governor of uh, Wisconsin was supposed to be recalled and, in my view, should have been, even though it was my home state uh, at one point.
2: Well, you but, know, they did some funky stuff at the ballot box there, I understand.
9: Well, no, the biggest thing there was the amount of money there was, uh, I think it's about $30 million came in from outside funds, people outside the state, to influence Of
2: that election. Well, you know what? There's something else too, just to show you what's admitted. So we have that governor who ran for president for about an hour, had plenty of money from the Koch brothers, and then was shellacked by Trump and the others. Okay. Now, Governor Walker was fooled one time by a prankster where someone calls up pretending to be David Koch of the Koch brothers thanking him for everything, and he goes along with a gag, oh, it's so great to hear from you and everything. Now, I would think with any normal political campaign, that should have sunk him. This proves he is in the hip pocket of a billionaire.
12: Oh, yeah. Now he won anyway.
9: Well, the Koch brothers, I'd recommend here a book called uh, Dark Money because they put together a rather massive uh, organization, you know, they had claimed prior to nomination of Trump that they were going to put in close to a billion dollars into the national election this time around. Uh, it now looks like they're going to disperse that, and rather than working on the national election, use the money to influence uh, local areas where they think uh, Republican candidates may be in trouble. or. Can be boosted over the hump and gain new seats, uh, but the at the problem is as they put this together, and while they happen to be very visible, there are others behind them putting in lots and lots of money. You have no idea who they are or what they're sponsoring.
3: Right, and on the other side of the coin, you have George Soros, who's been doing similar things for quite some time, uh, and not only in this country, but in yeah. other countries so that, as well.
9: Yeah, that is that is not an equal comparison by any stretch of the imagination. You know, there have been a few uh, progressive or liberal sponsors uh, out there, uh, but when you start comparing the amounts of money, yeah. I mean, it is... Pocket More depth. than an order of magnitude out of balance.
3: <laughs> I think a, a good term would be pocket depth.
9: <laughs> well, the problem is this lack of transparency.
3: Right. Well, Citizens United, and I absolutely agree, uh, when I, like many people, it, it sort of caught me unawares. I didn't think that it was possible for a Supreme Court decision to come down that would allow for a complete um, you know, auctioning off of our of our electoral, uh, process. And, and, you know, it, it just, uh, it goes to show that, uh, you know, you know, the corporate corporate moneyed interests in this, uh, in this system, uh, are now uh, absolutely in charge. Uh, there's no, uh, there's no two ways about it. And I've, I've seen more and more people attempting to adopt the idea that, uh, all politicians should wear the logos of the PACs and corporations that are funding them on their clothing so that at a glance, the average person can see who they're, who they're beholden to. And I, I think it, uh, things would change a little bit. Uh, it, it, would, it would definitely be colorful.
2: Now, it's interesting here about all this. From what I read, a politician has to spend one-third to one-half his time seeking donations, to fund the I next campaign.
9: gets more than that. Well, in the 60 Minutes piece, they were talking to you know, uh, representatives from both uh, both parties and said there are call rooms because they can't call from their office, but they're expected to spend 30 to 40 hours per week asking for donations. Part of it for them is that they also have to uh, ask for money for the... Uh, a uh, party, and, and this is where I say the amounts of money are just ridiculous.
2: Uh, Before the commercials become ridiculous, we need them. With Colonel John Alexander and Jean and Chris, you're in the broadcast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
7: Conspiracy Journal is your number one source for the hidden world of the weird and strange. We bring you thought-provoking and controversial material for free-thinking individuals who are seeking what is really going on in our world today. Some of this material may adversely affect you. Other pieces are meant to enlighten. Either way, be prepared to be intrigued by such things as the reality of UFOs, ghosts, strange creatures from time and space, hidden conspiracies, time travel, Nikola Tesla, suppressed technology, and a whole lot more. You can find out more by visiting our website at conspiracyjournal.com. There you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter sent directly to your email address. Find out... What they don't want you to know.
1: Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death.
0: Vaping enthusiasts, head to VaporPalace.com. Choose from over 150 flavors and a selection of exclusive private stock vapor liquid you won't find anywhere else. New flavors are added every month, and our customer service is unbeatable. VaporPalace.com offers 15% off all vapor liquid on Fridays and get 10% off every order with coupon code Vapor10 at checkout. Combine the codes on Fridays for 25% off. The ultimate destination for the vaping enthusiast. VaporPalace.com.
8: to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code George for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like.
16: This is Dan Pillot. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
3: Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: Now, before you listeners say, oh, you're liberal, you're conservative, whatever you are, and not to talk politics, anytime you get involved in a conspiracy involving a political figure or an agency of government. It's political. Air Force secrecy about UFOs. The Kennedy assassination. 9-11 conspiracies. Governments enter it. And we're talking here, Colonel Alexander, about the influence of big business. And I'm getting the impression that more and more politicians are getting sick of this. Because, you know, a lot of them, whatever party, this is not Democrat or Republican, folks, go in there not to make money, but they really believe in in helping, making a difference. And they get in, they realize that their number one task is not serving their constituents or even local businesses. It's
3: getting reelected.
2: That's right. And to get reelected, they have to spend most of their time or a very heavy portion of their time soliciting money. So if they have to put 30, 40 hours a week doing that, what do they do next? Well, I suppose what they have to do then is to work 60 or 80 hours a week to actually get something done. Yeah, but they spend most
3: of their time on vacation.
9: That's probably not a a fair comment. (laughs) You know, I had known Al Gore, this was back in antiquity, and then married Tipper, and she said, you know, we have three staffs. You have one staff that's uh, the staff for the office. Uh, You have one staff that's for uh, the constituency back you know, in the, your home district, and a third staff that is, you know, running for re-election, and it says, when you get done dealing with all that, there is no time left. Yeah. So when you go home, I mean, there's no. At you know, home, theoretically, you're back dealing with your constituents, and and most of them are. But uh, yeah, maybe the problem you have uh, eliminated though is a catch twenty two. Uh, you know, once you get on the merry-go-round, how do you get off? Because it's not stopping.
3: Yeah, especially uh, if you're a Congressperson uh, because of the you know two-year term. I mean, it's 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 just a, a treadmill. I've been hearing this this uh, this comment more and more late, lately that uh, the the easiest way or the quickest way to become a millionaire in this country is to be elected to Congress.
2: You just gave me an idea here. Seriously, I was working at a radio station. I think 1974. This is a radio station in the Philadelphia suburbs. And a local political official comes over to me. And he says, would you like to run for Congress? I, a guy, you know, who hasn't reached 30. I'm in my 20s, folks. I'm not as old as I look. I'm in my 20s. And I'm being asked to run for Congress. And I said, you know, I can't do that because I'd be out of a job. Because I can't run for Congress and be on the radio. And this is my paycheck. I'm just a regular guy making a living. And they realized that. But on the other hand, I possibly gave away a large income there. If I had made that decision and got myself elected, hey, you know, I'd be dealing with all that corporate money. I'd be a millionaire now. But I'm yeah, glad even, I
3: didn't.
9: After you leave office, you get back into uh, consulting and
1: lobbying.
3: Right. Well, let's let's kind of uh, dovetail our, our political discussion into a comment that Hillary made that kind of took off in the media. Uh, she was asked, I think, in New Hampshire about uh, the UFO uh, connection uh, with John Podesta and, and her apparent interest uh, with the Rockefeller Initiative, uh, I think, spurred the question on. And she made some comment, yes, we're going to look into Area 54 in New Mexico.
9: <laughs> Did you catch that? Uh, no, I've the seen miss, a the lot of articles where she has talked positively about the UFO thing.
2: Before we go on, John, I maintain it's not ignorance. She just misspoke. But let's go on.
9: Well, my point, because as you know, in my book on UFOs, I talked about political, uh, you know, holding congressional hearings. And the point was that UFOs are a political albatross. I don't know if it's changed or not, and, you know, the problem is that the opponents, you've seen a little of this, not as much as I would have expected, I think it'll pop up, but, you know, the context is going to be, here's somebody who wants to support UFOs, she must be crazy.
3: Right. Well, look what happened to Dennis Kucinich.
9: (laughs) Oh, exactly. I use that example uh, in the book. And he, you know, they brought him up, and the question that he asked was just, you know, what if, you know? A, A very benign, reasonable question, and the press eviscerated him for it.
3: Well, Reagan got away with it.
9: Uh, Not really. You did not hear him talking about it. This came out in uh, books uh, after it, but you did not hear him as an advocate.
3: Uh, Well, he he did uh, sort of posit that comment about, you know, if if we were threatened by an alien uh, force from the outside, would that bring everyone together?
9: That's that's so far different from advocating for Give an example, uh, my friend Claiborne Pell, uh, who was one of the longest-serving uh, senators uh, from uh, Rhode Island, and he attended a MUFON meeting once because it happened to be in the Washington area, and got skewered for that. And the Washington Post even held that against him in his obituary. So oh, this stuff Literally follows you to the grave.
3: Wow, that's a third-rail toxic uh, subject, I guess, in many people's minds. Hopefully this is changing. I think the younger generation is uh, are more open-minded and less uh, intolerant of the subject, I think. Uh, Depends
9: I think on the what ba- the issue really is. Now, if the question is, do people believe in UFOs, the answer is overwhelmingly Yes. But in the political context, uh, it has changed. It has nothing to do with UFOs. It has to do with you know mental stability and credibility.
3: Well, yeah. well I always like John Judge's uh, um, interpretation of the UFO acronym as uh, Unidentified Fascist Observatories.
15: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I always thought that was kind of cute. Um, so you don't think... Uh, there's a snowball's chance in hell that even if Hillary, let's say, uh, you know, hypothetically, does get into office, it'll just be the same story all over again. Uh, well, you know,
9: yeah, I think pretty much. Uh, I, w- I have not talked to Podesta, and I would really like to do that to see what he thinks is uh, is out there.
2: Uh, uh, I think he takes it very seriously because he wrote the introduction to Leslie Kane's UFO book, and yeah. he's the one who apparently. He put up a tweet saying that one of the things he regrets from the time he worked with the Obama administration is they made no progress in that.
9: Right. That doesn't mean that there is progress to be made. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to know if he knows something the rest of us don't.
3: Which is pretty unlikely. I, I would. That would be my guess.
9: Uh, well, I'll remember when President Bill Clinton was in office, he did ask the question. Right. Yeah.
3: You know, what was the, the comment? He said, I'm going to have Webb Hubble find out two things. Yeah. One, who killed Kennedy and, and are UFOs real or, or what are UFOs or what do we know? I, f- I forget oh, the actual language. Right. And uh, that was about the last we heard of that. Correct. Right. Isn't Hubble it always? I,
2: you know, this is so interesting. It gets back to the promises made by politicians. But I'm thinking here, Why would any self-respecting politician want to say anything like this? Because, unless there's a big UFO lobby, of course, I don't think there is.
9: There's not.
3: So, it's called Stephen Bassett.
9: (laughs) The problem is going to be, and for your listeners as well, it's a very small group, and they tend to talk to each other. And in talking to each other, they get the impression that they're much bigger than they really are. You know, I've got again one of my slides that that I use in there, and uh, I know the IUFOC likes to talk about being, you know, the biggest UFO conference, and they get a little over a thousand people uh, to uh, attend that. Uh, actually, uh, Farrakhan got. A lot more uh, in the Black Muslim uh, conference and specifically on UFOs. But if, if I can compare uh, the, any UFO conference to Comic Con, you have multiples of those and you get into hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. That, that gives you, kind of, I think, a relative level of interest.
2: Well, this is the problem we've all had. Let me remind you that check out our premium package and the After the Powercast podcast we'd like you to hear. Go to plus.thepowercast.com. That's plu dot The subscription rate is really, really modest, by the way. A monthly, annual, five years, lifetime. Check it out, dot com. We'll check out more stuff with Colonel John Alexander on the other side. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Pericast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget.
17: There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of healthcare that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable healthcare that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain healthcare costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org.
6: So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com to...
1: Welcome back to the Paracast The gold standard of paranormal radio And now, here's Gene Steinberg
2: Now John, before we go on I wanted to ask you something Which I had noticed And probably noticed on your previous appearances But didn't register and that is in your last book about UFOs, there was a contribution there by none other than Tom Clancy. Right. Now I'll just tell you, I had several encounters with Tom Clancy in the nineties. And to show you how stupid I was, I didn't realize this is a best-selling multimillionaire author and that he wrote the novel Hunt for Red October and all that, and I had seen the movie. I didn't think that. I thought he was a guy writing me on AOL for help to set up a CD-ROM to work on his Mac. And so I helped him. And then we talked a little bit. I met him up at one of these computer expos, Mac World, And the thing I remember last, the last time I saw Tom Clancy, he remarked how, with regard to the actors playing Jack Ryan in the movies, he thought Harrison Ford was a stupid guy. Just just to mention that. so what does Tom Clancy have to do with UFOs?
9: They're literally well, we spent a lot of time talking about this back and forth. Now, the first iteration that took place in his apartment in uh, the Baltimore Bay area was, Alexander, if you weren't from uh, Los Alamos, I'd throw your ass out of here. Later, it was, would you tell me again some of that stuff? <laughs> And he says, well, I'm hearing this from other people now, and uh, not ones that you would commonly know about. Uh, There actually was a book in the mill called A Hole in the Sky, uh, which never got out. Um, I've talked to Alex about trying to get it out. He said the publishers did not want to uh, pursue it, uh, because they wanted him to stay within genre. But it did have a uh, UFO ET component to him. And the story uh, actually on the uh, thing that he wrote was surprising to me because he had done a foreword to Future War which I had written before it was on non-lethal weapons. So I did not expect you know long commentary. I was looking for a blurb, you know, good stuff read the book and instead he came back with you know what is in the book. Which was much more in in detail, obviously, and of course because I already had a um, forward coming from Jacques Belay, but you know when you get that from Tom Clancy, you can't not use it. Uh, the same was true with the Bert Rutan, who came in kind of unexpectedly with several pages, including his own citing.
2: So at the end, and Clancy died several years ago, right. All his riches couldn't make him live longer. He was what, in his late 60s, as a matter of fact?
9: No, early 60s.
2: Early 60s, that was worse. Yeah, I
9: I was there for his 60th birthday party, which was on the USS New Jersey, parked across from uh, Philadelphia. And that was like a couple of years before.
2: He was born in 1947. He died in 2013. That makes him 66. Okay. He lied about his age. That's the thing. He was lying to you, so you have to get him up on the Ouija board and say, Tom, you weren't telling the truth.
9: I'm, I'm just maybe short on the time, but I was definitely there. Like I say, it was most amazing uh, birthday party I've ever been to.
2: Well, he was a character, I can tell you that. And I got that impression also that he was very impressed with himself.
9: Oh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we were at dinner, uh, it was a conference that I was chairing, and he was there, and he was sitting. we were sitting at the head table, of course, and one of his comments was, I am smart, I am really smart.
2: <laughs> okay, just to show you that, dead authors never disappear. They are right now doing development of a TV series entitled Jack Ryan.
9: In fact, if you know uh, Up Center is a whole series. Oh yeah, and I had read one. Actually, I was on a flight back to Washington, went down and uh, talked to him because I said, "Boy, the the tone doesn't sound right." And so I asked him, I said, well, what, uh, you know, what's your input, thinking that I knew that there was a co-author, somebody who'd written it, maybe they had discussed the plot or something like that. and He goes, hell, I don't even read them.
3: Wow. Well, the Net Force books, too, are a spinoff from, uh, yeah.
9: that have his name. Uh, well, and there are more books coming out today that are under, you know, Tom Clancy as an institution.
3: Right. <laughs> Not to mention video games. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's quite a franchise, I think, would be the uh, the term. Uh, he's doing what Donald
2: Trump does, which is to attach his name to projects.
9: They get to the point where they don't even own their own name. It, it is literally an, an organization owned by somebody else. And I have run into uh, that before. Uh, Tom kept him up so he could do things like write uh, blurbs and whatnot, but there are people who don't.
3: Um, Well, definitely one of my favorite all-time authors. I I think I've read pretty much anything with his name on it. Not bad for a guy that started out, I think, as an insurance salesman and decided to take up writing as a a passion. And, um, I mean, what a great writer. I mean, all those early books are are just, I've read them multiple times. Just real... Real top, top rate, uh, top rated author in, in my book.
9: Tons yeah. well, of fun. One of the things Tom had told me because he said his daughter was kind of dinging him one time, like, Oh, you got an easy job, all you have to do is write. And his response was right. He says, It's like you have to do a 10 page uh, essay every day and get an A on every one of them.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead try that at home, folks. Yeah, believe, believe me, as someone who's written what seven, I'm going on seven books now. I tell you, I if I was a tenth the writer of Tom Clancy, I would not be writing in the realm of uh, investigations and research into the paranormal. I would be whipping out sci-fi or just doing, you know, kind of a Clancy-esque or, or maybe even, you know, a Ludlam or, you know, you could go down the list of uh, writers that I've loved and admired over the years. Boy, if I had that kind of talent, I would not be stuck in the non-fiction realm by any stretch.
9: Well, he was stream of consciousness. I, I called one day, I think it was Dead of Honor, uh, but what happened was uh, I called just, and uh, Alex answered said, so, you know, hey, what's going on? And finally got to Tom and he says, well, I'm 600 pages into the book. We've just gone to war with Japan and I have the foggiest idea how to get out of this. <laughs>
3: I love it, yeah executive decision painted him into a corner
9: <laughs> yeah well he I mean obviously he did but the point was uh, writing a stream of consciousness as opposed to a having a complete outline of how you're gonna get from point A to point
3: Z. a to point B right yeah that's that's what makes nonfiction I guess in in many ways much uh it's much more writer friendly because uh, you're you're almost forced to to maintain a pretty rigid organizational structure. And you're presenting facts and research, ideally. Um, And when you do present opinions, it's based on the facts. So it's a little bit more cut and dried.
2: Let me tell you here, I used to write these computer instruction books, not like Mac for Dummies or something. That franchise was taken already. But another one of those books, and they have a very regimented structure. So you've got like a basic text And this is a hint, this is a tip, this is a step-by-step. And there are four or five elements that have to recur in each chapter. So you're constrained by a very rigid format, like you're a machine. You're a writing machine. And I did that for probably 30 books. And you make a decent living. It's nothing spectacular. A couple of the books earned out, and I did really well. But at the end of the day, I woke up one day, and I sat down before the keyboard, ready to start another assignment. And my agent was working on it. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I cannot become a machine, a book writing machine. It's not the same thing as a person like Nick Redfern who writes a lot of books, because each one is different. Each one has different kinds of structure, and it's not nearly as rigid. But this is impossible. Whereas I understand what Tom Clancy was coming from, because my son and I have written fiction. So I understand that we can have an outline or even a very basic structure, and then we let the mind flow. We kind of live in that universe. And what comes out is what makes the book, for better or worse. For better or worse. Colonel John Alexander with Gene and Chris, you're in The Pericast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
5: Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved One suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non attorney spokesperson. Injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office Las Vegas, Nevada.
11: This is an
7: alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A General Steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 866-91-STEEL. 866-91-STEEL
1: we'd like to hear from you if you have a comment or question about the paracast send it to news at the paracast.com that's news at the paracast.com and don't forget to visit our famous paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com
2: before we go on with john alexander let me talk about this a bit more and that is the second radio show that Chris and I do and sometimes we have special guests it's called After the Paracast it's an exclusive feature of the Paracast Plus and to know more go to plus P-L-U-S dot dot com you'll get a commercial free version of this show with higher quality audio you'll get After the Paracast show transcripts those will take a while to do but we've got a few already special classic episodes coming videos and other goodies the PowerCast Plus, low subscription rates, our price, cheap. It's like buying a big Starbucks every month, once. You can afford to give up a Starbucks and send the money. <laughs> plus.theparacast.com Colonel John Alexander, we were talking here about Tom Clancy and books, but I wanted to get back to Clancy here. Obviously, he had ties and sources in the military.
9: I remember going down to the house one day and checking it out and saying, oh, the day before Colin Powell Paul had been there.
3: Wow. Well, he oh. even got in trouble uh, when uh, Hunt for Red October came out because his fictitious Caterpillar drive actually turned out to be a classified secret that he just kind of stumbled on it just uh, creatively.
9: Well, no, that was not stumbling. Um uh, <laughs> That was one of the things that got me interested in uh, Tom to begin with. Was that uh, I had read that, and there were certain descriptions in there of places, and I'm um, going like, he's not guessing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the, the This is exactly, you know, somebody has definitely been to the place that he's describing because he's talking about the floor and uh, that sort of thing. And everything was just exactly right. And you go, that is, that's not a guess.
3: Well, isn't that how he got out of uh, some kind of hot water by saying, well, it was just, you know, I... I just kind of came up with that. And uh, and then I think, didn't they make him a consultant to the, to the Navy or something after that? Or he, he got oh, some he, sort of...
9: He was tied in, as I said, at very, very high levels. And a lot of people whispering. By the way, uh, one of his cute quotes, uh, when we were talking about UFOs, and I think we were at dinner one night and it came up. And he says, well, they, the government doesn't have anything... And he said, he said, well, how do you know? He says, somebody would have told me.
3: <laughs> okay. Now,
9: this is back, that was, frankly, before we had kind of turned him around and said, hey, maybe to get him to admit maybe there was something to it. So,
2: no. I what? wanted to bring that up there because that is kind of anticipating the question I was going to ask, which is you talked about it with him about UFOs. And obviously, they're not telling Tom Clancy. If they're not telling Tom Clancy, maybe they're not telling anyone. Or are they classified so high in the pecking order that even a Tom Clancy couldn't mind his military sources to get that information?
9: Well, hey, you know, remember, he, he was not interested in the topic. Uh, when when we told you when we first started discussing it, he threatened to throw me out of the uh, room but um and, and that changed uh, over time so is it that high? I don't know. I mean you're hearing some new information coming out now to me uh, and it's not just Tom but uh certainly he was tied in at sources I mean. The kinds of information he was being fed is, well, you know, they're, they're after Hillary now and uh, Petraeus for putting out certain information. And I think the kinds of things he had were certainly far more sensitive than that and seemed to be getting it accurately.
3: Well, and, and let's not forget his nonfiction books, too, uh, which I do recommend for anybody with an uh, interest in uh, military tech and uh, very well-written uh, very good sourcing uh, in his nonfiction books, where he looks at at how uh, particular military uh, operations are done, types of equipment, that sort of thing. The, the types of things that he alludes to in passing in his novels, he goes in depth in his nonfiction books, which uh, right. which don't get the notoriety, of course, that the the fiction books do, but uh, v- very well done uh, for anybody with an interest in in the. Uh, yeah.
9: You know, he did a series uh, with different senior generals, uh, right. this one called Shadow Warriors, and I'm the one who introduced him to Carl Steiner, who had been the commander-in-chief of uh, Special Operations Command. He's uh, also the guy who led the invasion of Panama and was the one who pulled the gun on the the, uh, Italians when they were trying to uh, get back uh, the hijackers of the Achille Laurel, uh, kind of legendary. So, I mean, the people that that he wrote with on that are just really top-notch.
2: Okay, now let me ask you something here, get back to our subject. Although Tom Clancy was certainly a fascinating... Which subject is that? I have no idea. But (laughs) now, let's get to this here. There are people who believe that the government is hiding secrets about UFOs. But Mm -hmm. the most that we hear is about people sending Freedom of Information Act requests. Sometimes they're granted. Sometimes they get the information and a lot of material is redacted for security reasons. We understand that. But is there any way that you've been able to determine what the government really knows? Do they know anything beyond the rest of us except for a few details about possibly secret aircraft having a sighting?
9: Well, I think the problem is one that's not addressed there, and that is, what do you mean the government? Um, as I point out, it's it's a big, uh, big place. There's thousands, or you know, actually millions uh, of people. Um, and that what you find, or my experience, is that there is a difference uh, between people who've had their own experience and uh, institutional relationships. I uh, got asked a lot about the uh, uh, remote viewing program. And uh, I'll use that as an example because, A, I don't think there is such a program going on. That does not mean that there aren't people who are interested. Um, I was doing a TV interview that will be coming out very shortly and and talking about this just uh, past Sunday. And you have these people, uh, you know, remember that, let's take UFOs. where well, we have 7 to 10 percent of the adult population believe they have seen a UFO or something, pass for it. And that is true for people who are, you know, in the government as well as in the civilian sector. So those are. The, so the point is, they have had personal experience. They have no doubt about the existence of the, such things. Uh, but that does not translate when you go back to your day job uh, to an institutional interest or responsibility.
2: We're going to do a break now. We're trying to look at the possibilities of what the government might know about our favorite subject, Colonel John B. Alexander, Gene Steinberg, grumpy Chris (laughs) O'Brien. You're you're in (laughs) the broadcast.
10: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
0: If you
18: have sleep apnea and you're tired of dragging around your big, bulky home CPAP device wherever you travel, what I'm about to tell you may sound too good to be true. MiniCPAP.com now offers a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. Even better, you can try Transcend absolutely risk free for a full 10 days. Call us now 1 800 940 5473. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. For even more freedom, you can add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. It's true. You can enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere, anytime you want. Call minicpap.com now for your 10-day in-home trial. 1-800-940-5473. That's 1-800-940-5473.
6: My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using the computer or or did you
5: buy a new one? No, I called Geeks On Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day.
6: You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support
19: company.
5: Geeks On Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24
19: 7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks On Site 1 800 591 1682. Our friendly certified computer repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks On Site for friendly, certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682.
16: This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: I made Chris even grumpier that way. <laughs> I'm never going to live that one down, am I? Uh, no, no, I think it's going <laughs> to... He's going to imitate the way Hillary Clinton
3: barks. (laughs) I wanted to ask John, before we get away from the writing topic, if he ever considered going the Jacques Vallée route and writing a fictional book and hiding some knowledge that maybe normally you wouldn't come out with in a nonfiction realm, but as Vallée and Tracy Tormé did in Fast Walkers come out in a fictional setting. Have you ever considered that?
9: Actually, it leads to something a little bit different. Uh, I, uh, I have dabbled with fiction, never actually published anything. Uh, not so much to cover it up, but just because you have a lot of latitude there. But one of the things I want to mention, because we started down this uh, trail before, was that one of the things I found, and if you've dealt with this, uh, I was doing, a course of course, a special operations one and whatnot, got into the story, And damned if the uh, characters didn't start talking to me. Uh, I mean, literally, uh, they come up and you'd go off into an area that's a little different and be going down that trail and I had people, swear to God, come back and say, hey, you forgot me, I'm back over here. And these are totally fictional folks.
3: That sounds a little frightening. (laughs) (laughs)
9: <laughs> well, actually, a number of authors that I know of have said that, that uh, the um, point is that these...
3: Kind of literary tulpas.
9: Literally, yeah, well, that's a, probably a good uh, <laughs> description of it.
3: <laughs> yeah, and then, then you try to kill them off and they won't go away. <laughs> hey, I'm coming back as a ghost in your next book. <laughs> I'm sure I mean you have you're a very good writer, and I think you would have uh, have some fun doing that. Uh, you know, just kind of doing a what if book and and being a little coy about what uh, you know is based on, you know, possibly insider information and what's based on just pure imagination. Valet did a very good job with it. And the one thing that I, I remember coming away after reading the book is that the craft that they were attempting to back engineer turned out to be alive. And it was a biological, uh, there was a biological component to it, which I always felt was a, a, a wonderful twist.
9: Fiction does give you a, a lot of latitude that you don't necessarily get in other genres.
3: Well, and it gets people guessing a little bit, too, especially uh, someone with the kind of uh, work history and interest that that, uh, that you've had. I mean, they based uh, characters very loosely, I might add, in, in Hollywood movies. <laughs> Goats. You get a little grumpy yourself when, when people say, oh, weren't you the Kevin Spacey character in Men Who Stare at Goats? And,
9: well, and actually, uh, it was more the, um, or the uh, Clooney.
3: The Clooney character?
9: <laughs> yeah. Now, in the book, there's actually a book that it was taken from. There is no doubt who we are. Right. Uh, because we I it on page... Um, Forty-one, I think it was, and by name, and I was able to identify sixteen people uh, right. that I knew. And interestingly, the, the ones that I talked to, vast majority said, "We've never met this guy."
3: Now, uh, the good, the, the, the guy is John Ronson, I believe, the author of. Men John Mysterio. Ronson. Yeah. Right. Well, I love the opening scene of the movie where the, a character that I immediately thought of as as, uh, General Stubblebine, tries to run through the wall.
9: Well, that that was Bert. There was no doubt about that. And I
3: think he actually did try to do that, didn't he, at one point?
9: Not that I'm aware of. No? No, no. Actually, the story, the the rational extrapolation, is that he is one of these people that's uh, hypersensitive to bee stings. That's obviously not a good thing in the military. No, and uh, so what he had done it was going to Walter Reed and take he had to take shots to uh, build up uh, immunity because so he wouldn't go into anaphylactic shock if uh, stung accidentally. Mm-hmm. So he said, "We well, got to take a shot." So the Gedanken thing was okay. I am mostly made up of you know vacuum. The needle is mostly vacuum or space, and so what I'm going to do is to think about the interpenetration rather than hitting the solid substance, it's, you know, passing in between, so there should be no pain.
1: Right.
3: So that that would be (laughs) mind-beside-matter? That was what? Mind, instead of uh, mind-over-matter, mind-beside-matter.
1: Right.
2: I'm not saying anything because I'm letting it sit there and lie there.
3: Okay. Well, I I mean, it was a bad analogy, but I tried.
2: One of the things I learned long ago is when somebody puts their foot in their mouths, you just let them finish.
9: (laughs) See how Uh, it tastes?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I got, you know, hopefully I'm not wearing big, smelly boots.
2: So if I'm seeing the movie and I saw it when it first came out, men who stare at goats aside from you being possibly one of the characters what do i take away from it
9: mostly bs um as i like to say the uh they wrote um i usually do it with my hands uh, let's say you visually he had about six inches of truth and he wrote a yard and then they made the movie <laughs>
2: so what's well, supposed to be a fictional story sure
9: well, in the book, it is nonfiction. non-fiction. Uh, the problem is that, you know, the, the basic premise, uh, goats did die. Uh, however, it had nothing to do with staring at them. This was a product of something called Dim Mac, which is, you know, the death touch in martial arts. And it also turns out that steering was an interesting component um, in that uh, what, uh, there was a school called Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape, or Siri, and It was to train people who were at risk for being captured. And as the Army was setting it up, they brought in uh, Colonel Nick Rowe, and he had been in my area in Vietnam and had been captured. So, you know, who better than somebody with five years of experience as a POW to run the program? And one of the things Nick had done is he had was practicing mental arts. Um, the idea of Rambo that you see all the time that says, you know, the the POWs are going to jump up and what. Uh, uh, guards and whatnot is just pure nonsense. They're physically degraded. They're not getting a lot to eat. They usually have injuries and being beaten and terrible diet. So um, you're just not going to whip them. But he found that he could influence them using his mind. What he would do is concentrate and not to do big things, but can I get them just to take a few extra steps so I've got time to conceal certain actions and things of that nature? So the premise of using steering really had a very practical uh, application. It's just that uh, no, no
12: goat died from it, uh, as hmm. was depicted in the movie. I
3: could see some real good applications at a high-stakes poker game in Vegas. <laughs> it might be interesting to influence people to fold when you're, when you're bluffing. <laughs>
9: um, I believe you will find folks who believe that is true and attempt to
2: do it before we even guess what else could be true let me tell you that we have to do a short break and then we'll be back with Colonel John Alexander and by the way if you're interested in checking out that book he wrote it's called UFOs Myths, Conspiracies and Realities and features a forward from Dr. Jacques Fillet and a commentary from none other than Tom Clancy. So you want to check it out? With Gene and Chris, you're in The podcast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
1: There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from newharvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at newharvestfoods.com. That's nuharvestfoods.com.
17: This is Holly Thomas, Group Vice President of Cause Marketing for Macy's. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the US. That's why Macy's is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org.
13: Hi, I'm 54 years of age, and at Christmas time last year, a resident I take care of at work accidentally rolled over my right foot with his motorized scooter. I was back into a corner, and he put it in reverse and did it again. The bones in my foot weren't actually broken, but damage was done. The remedy was to just let the foot heal on its own, and this was expected to take many weeks. As a caregiver, I do a lot of walking, and I was sort of okay when I was in motion. It's when I stopped to rest that I really felt the pain. The pain was there getting out of bed in the morning too. So I got on the one-world way a few weeks back and I just had to write this testimony. No more pain nothing i can only attribute this to the one world way since i haven't introduced anything else into my life which product is a true godsend it gives me energy and did whatever magic this stuff does to heal my forefoot i will take one world way for life sincerely holly
17: call 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com that's one world ycom this is dan
16: pilla do you owe the irs money you can't pay Are tax debts crippling you
9: This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening
2: to the Paracast. Oh, we've done two thirds of the show already, Chris. I thought we just started.
3: Yeah, well, we're having a a great time. Those are the shows I like the best, the ones that uh, just fly by because we're just having fun. It's always great to have you on the show, John. You're one of the more fascinating people I've had the pleasure of meeting, and uh, we uh, we shared a very interesting experience at the UFO Congress with Stan Romanek running in and being chased by helicopters. (laughs) I'll never forget that. That was so funny. And uh, I, I I, I thought Stan got it totally wrong. Um, I think they were watching your back, John. They they weren't watching Stan's front. They were just kind of keeping tabs on everybody there for you. <laughs> of course, he didn't know there was a Bell helicopter testing facility just down the road, but oh right. well. <laughs> so, any uh, SSE uh, uh, news?
9: Actually, the conference is coming up in... Right. Uh, uh, the
3: nineteenth, right? And uh, do we have any? Uh, you're looking forward to some uh, particular presentations, or?
9: Well, the unique aspect this time is that the uh, Parapsychological Association and the SSE Society for Scientific Exploration are meeting concurrently. So, uh, and by the way, the, the single presentations. Anybody going will be able to see everything. Right.
3: So that should be. Uh, be pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And where's the event being held this year?
9: Uh, Boulder. Yeah.
3: In Boulder, okay.
9: Right, right next to the University of Colorado. It's not at the university per se. It's Millennium, uh, uh, right next, like, literally down the street. Many of the same people are involved. One of the reasons we use that venue.
3: Uh-huh. And uh, any any notable presentations that you're particularly looking forward to seeing, or
9: oh, there's quite a few. Uh, Larry Dossey is uh, going to be there. Of course, Dean Radin uh, is right. talking. Ian MacRumshikra. Gonna, there's going to be one on Bigfoot. That the guy's actually getting the Dinsdale Award uh, and uh, has done a lot of uh, scientific work on Sasquatch. Not sure I agree with his conclusion, but it's still going to be uh, quite interesting.
3: No, no. Who is who is that presenter?
9: Well, thank you. <laughs> oh, it's you? Uh,
3: no. No, Jeffrey Jeffrey Meldrum or.
9: Uh... Uh, this is not somebody that I've met before. We had done um, a, a meeting at Whitefish uh, a long time ago, and we had quite a few of them. This is uh, Jeff Meldrum.
3: Yeah, Jeffrey Meldrum from University of Idaho, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, he's a um, he. He specializes in. I think uh, primate feet, doesn't he not? Uh, right. Yeah.
9: yeah. His bottom line is that there's probably something there but an unidentified grade eight. Um, mm. I'm not sure, uh, since we're and one of the things that uh, we did happen uh, within the past year, I was out on a Bigfoot hunt, and we were in uh, Oklahoma, Texas, and Louisiana.
3: Not many trees to bang out there, though. Not what? But, you know, they bang on trees on the TV shows. They, they do the, the thump, so, thump.
9: Had some of that happen. But more <laughs> interestingly, we were camped on a bayou just north of uh, Shreveport and uh, sleeping in tents. And literally, we had two tents and were probably you know, 30 meters uh, apart. Maybe a little less, but the the other chance there's two individuals in there, and they are feet uh, from the swamp. At about two o'clock in the morning, they are awakened by something roaring at them. Immediately outside their tent, so we're talking, you know, a couple of feet away, literally. Uh, Enough to get them up and out. And yet, when we started looking for physical evidence, absolutely none. And in the area, there's a lot of spiders, of course. And one of the things we found was that the uh, spider webs were still pretty much intact. But can't afford, uh, uh, you know, can't answer that interaction. There were uh, a number of other things that happened, but, you know, that was. had some in uh, Oklahoma where yeah you did have the knocking and uh, whatnot. In- interesting experience.
3: Well, you're you're sure covering the gamut with uh, your activities. I had no idea that uh, you had an interest in in uh, in Bigfoot to the extent of actually going out and, and attempting to uh, to go out in the field and 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 do your own sort of uh, oh, up close and personal research.
9: That's kind of across the board. My bottom line is, let's go do it. Yeah, yeah. interesting to talk about it, read about it, and, and all of that. Um, I had mentioned at the onset that we are just back from Brazil, mm-hmm. and we're down in Rio. Uh, did not see a mosquito, even though we were in the area, the heart of the Zeta virus country. Yeah. Um, but the point was that uh, we went to uh, Umbanda ceremony. Reason for being down was had to do with non lethal and award ceremony and whatnot. But, um, we, uh, where Umbanda is one of the spiritist religions that, uh, you know, came across with the slaves. Anyway, Victoria went up and had basically another mystical experience and a consultation and swears that, uh, had one of the Umbanda goddesses, uh, Give me her messages.
3: What and was, then, what was what she was told?
9: Well, that's personal. But, okay. Uh, but the point was that, you know, very real and very, very dramatic. We did have one, this would be in the program that I mentioned earlier, um, a couple of years before we were done in Corteva, uh, which is in southern Brazil, and I went to another Ombanda ceremony And I might mention that different from and Ate Ategarane, and some of these others we've been at, which use some sorts of chemicals, usually DMT is a psychoactive substance. uh, Umbanda does not have any drinking, imbibing at all. There's lots of drumming, and it's uh, very, very intense. Uh, But uh, down there, uh, she actually got possessed. And we were at a a ceremony, about 300 people, only about 10 foreigners, uh, including maybe four gringos, but uh, the foreigners are from uh, all over. And she went out to uh, get a quote of healing and said all of a sudden something jumped into her. And for the next 20 minutes, she's out on the floor whirling around. And this is a group that is used to seeing possession. Uh, they're not used to seeing gringos possessed like that.
3: Wow. So it, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, like the Orisha dancing uh, in Santeria or um, yeah. some aspects of Vudan and Candomblé. Yeah, well
9: Candomblé tends to run towards the dark side a bit yeah. more than Ombanda. And um, we, uh, we had to get People from Brazil who would take us uh, there were quite a few who were very nervous about us. Some them had heard about it but uh, uh didn't know if they actually wanted to uh, uh, have first hand experience unfortunately we had a uh, the colonel who was a good uh good friend of mine who often acts as a uh an escort, but his son took us around to these things and uh very,
3: very intense. See yeah, well, pepper. Brazil is a very intense country. Where I think, um, and and most people who have even looked even peripherally into some of the uh, amazing reports and waves of activity uh, that have occurred down there, of course, the Clara sightings um, come to mind at the mouth of the Amazon. There, I've always suspected that there's a lot of very you know, for lack of a better word, bizarre things that go on down in Brazil that that don't really make it out of a local uh, area or region in terms of um, notoriety, even even uh, into the cities. Uh, that out in the remote areas of the country, that there's some very very uh, almost unbelievable, <laughs> for lack well, of a
9: better term. I would frame it a little differently. And this has to get to, I think, a very important issue, and that is worldview. And we come from a very materialistic worldview. Right. I deal, I've been going down to Brazil for uh, about 15 years now, and generally interacting with the intelligentsia. These are senior officers and uh, ministers and things of that nature.
2: Let's pick up on that. Because we got some other things to check out. With John Alexander and Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
4: Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did.
1: welcome back to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's Gene Steinberg
2: with John Alexander and Gene and Chris in the final leg of the journey you were in the middle of giving us a long answer, Colonel Alexander, can you continue on that? Uh,
9: I do happen to think that this is kind of an important issue. And this has to do with the difference in worldview. And again, I deal in Brazil with very well-educated people, um, and most of them with Western education. But the point is that they are totally accepting, many of them are, okay, paintings, the brush with, you know, everybody, but many of them are totally accepting of the spiritist world, and they accommodate uh, areas that uh, most Westerners would have, you know, real problems with. Um, and I, so I, the point here is that, in my view, it's that our worldview, which is, again, totally materialistic, is one that's inhibiting exploration of these areas. One of the things I say is that uh, kind of see the mission as to being involved in trying to make it permissible for senior scientists to be involved in research into these areas, but to do so without risking their reputation or livelihood. Problem is that you know, there are many people who are interested, but they also recognize this as a tar baby and said, "Who? you know, they keep me informed, but I, I don't want my name out there as an association. I also point out that these phenomena, including things like, you know, UFOs, one that we talked about earlier, this stuff is, I believe, as complex as cancer or AIDS and that we definitely need a concentrated effort uh, in the area to understand it, and you're not going to get there, you know, keeping the best and brightest away from it.
15: Yeah,
3: and and this is something uh, that you have been talking about for quite some time, and almost, uh, you know, a lone voice in the woods. I mean, I think we're seeing some movement away from that. I think uh, it's it's infinitesimal. It's very small, but I, I do see a slight shift towards more open-mindedness, a little less reticence. Uh, But, you know, when you're talking the amazing uh, process that, you know, to just to get research grant money, to get tenure, you know, to to take those uh, steps in a career, you're very, very cautious. You don't want anything to uh, perhaps tarnish um, the process or your reputation. And so it's, it's, again, a catch-22. How do you Figure something out and, and do good science and research. If you're too afraid to even get involved in the first place, and I, I do see that as a major obstacle. And I applaud you for 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 your courage of coming out and really attempting in in many different uh, avenues and in many different ways to to sort of reverse that uh, that stereotypical process that. Uh, that we're seeing constantly unfolding, in academia especially. And, uh, you know, I think it's... uh, Um, The
9: issue for research scientists is that they have to usually attract funding of some sort. And they do not want anything associated with their reputation that might uh, inhibit that. Right. There was an example given, again, this program we were filming uh, on Sunday, and it was uh, a mutual friend of ours who was a Nobel laureate in physics who was specifically disinvited from a, a physics conference because he had spoken positively about psi phenomena.
3: Oh, geez. Yeah, I mean... It's a good old boys, uh, network with a pecking order and very rigid, uh, (laughs) protocols on what you can profess even a a passing interest in. Uh, it's, I think the system in many ways is broken. If we're going, you know, to move forward, expand our thinking here on this planet, (laughs) let alone (laughs) the UFO subject or or possible off-planet subjects, uh, I mean, this mode of thinking and this uh, just rigidity uh, needs to change, and we need more people like you, uh, John, going out there and 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 telling people, "Hey, it's okay to you know profess an interest in these subjects. You shouldn't be tarred and feathered for it." And to have a Nobel laureate physicist disinvited to a conference just because he professes an interest in in psi phenomenon to me is is a perfect illustration of what's wrong, I think, uh, with the static, uh, rigid structure that uh, science and academia finds itself in.
9: And and again, we're talking here specifically about, you know, what's in the Western world view. Right. Now, one of the reasons, and I keep going back to Brazil, but that these people are accepting of alternative systems and a uh, spiritual base to it is, again, the personal experience. Now, that's certainly true to some degree in the U.S. It's just that the materialistic view has been able to dominate and subordinate all others to the exclusion of, you know, fact and thing you know personal observations
3: I don't see that ending anytime soon but I again I do have a sense that there is movement um, I think as, as younger folks come up these subjects are becoming more mainstream um, it, it's 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 got to create some sort of slack in in the uh, in the rigidity at some point one would hope but uh, it may not be in the three of our lifetime but but, you well, know, Mark
9: you Plank famously said, you know, that science advances uh, one funeral at a time.
3: Yeah. 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 That's uh, unfortunately uh, very true. And, you know, I think a lot of it is the mindset. Um, you know, we've discussed this on a number of occasions on the show that science is becoming so Ivy Tower. And and it's, it's almost um, creating an aura of religious belief around itself. That once you get into doctrine, uh, doctrinaire, uh, you know, systems and uh, protocols and, uh, you know, rigidity, uh, it's very difficult to break through that. And I think one of the reasons why you're seeing an upwelling of, of interest in... Subjects uh, That are taboo in the scientific community is because science has, has removed itself so far from the average person. It has become so stovepiped and specialized that people just, they don't have a, a, a snowball's chance in hell of really understanding, um, you know, advanced science. And, and I think you're seeing a backlash against that, which is creating more separation between the scientific and the academic establishments and the average person. We need more bridge builders. We need well, more people uh, like thanks. a Michi Okaku or a Dean Radin or yourself. I mean, there's people out there that are actually attempting to you know, to, to bridge the gap, but it's at, at tremendous peril to their careers.
9: Well, I think there's another issue, too, that has emerged in the last couple of decades, and that's the politicalization of science. Yeah. Predetermination of what the correct answer is going to be, and you know, searching for that. Um, another book that's uh, I just finished is quite interesting. This does the political arena as well. This called Lies Inc. or Lies Incorporated, right. and it points out there that many of these situations use what they call the tobacco model. The 19, I think it was 1912, 1914, tobacco industry knew that uh, they were causing cancer. It wasn't, you know, until almost a century later before it got mainstream. But their approach was not to deny that tobacco called, caused cancer, it was just to raise questions. you hear that now on climate change, for instance, you know, only 98% of all climatologists agree. Well, yeah. okay, there's 2%. And so to the, what you were talking about is real here to the average person, it just gets overwhelming. Yeah, but and, we
2: also have a situation here where one of the major political parties in the United States does not believe in science some of them right. still believe that the Earth is 6,000 years old. And when you right. point out to that 98% of climate scientists, well, they may think it's a plot by China. Or at least right. somebody said that. <laughs> we've, we've got Colonel John Alexander. I don't know where that started. With Gina and Chris, you're in the Paracast. <laughs>
6: That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much.
4: For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details in the example policy at slowquit.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health, issuing company,
0: and other factors not available in all states.
17: As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
2: Okay, so do you believe in climate change contributed to Why? by humans?
9: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Well, then it's interesting because you're at odds with this book that Stanton Friedman wrote with Kathleen Marden, Science Was Wrong.
9: Stan's a great guy and a great researcher, and we agree to disagree on a number of areas.
3: Yeah. No. Kind of hard to look at the time-lapse photography of the North Pole, uh, the old ice, as it's... Yeah. <laughs> slowly is is disappearing basically uh, or to find well, all those polar bears swimming around looking for an iceberg to climb onto.
9: One of the things I do is when in doubt, and this is true, and UFOs or all, I go to first-hand data. And I think the thing that really got my attention it was on Mount Everest at the base camp at 18,000 foot level. The first thing, we were on the, uh, the north side, so technically China, side. And I was amazed at the amount of water that there was on the Tibetan plateau. But the problem is that's a one-time thing because we're talking about melt that was coming off. And one of the things I had noticed was that the level uh, snow line was at 22 to 24,000 feet. Yeah, we saw snow a little bit down at, you know, maybe as low at, at times as 15, but not you didn't see solid snow until you got way, way uh, up. And that's new. Uh, I'm not sure why. I've not read Stan's book, in uh, fairness, but there's a lot of others, uh, people, who t- you know tend to agree with that. But I think that, in uh, my opinion, the evidence is pretty much overwhelming and that uh, we are the cause. When you look at the speed of change and particularly the... Uh, uh, what we were looking at, what Chris just mentioned, about the uh, areas in the North Pole. At True, it's, it hasn't totally disintegrated yet, or uh, thawed uh, free in summer, but you do have sort of a Northwest Passage uh, available uh, on occasion, but it's the amount, and all, you take all of the projections of where this is going, and you find that it, it's, the actual melt is going faster than even the most uh, rigid uh, perception or projections.
2: Now, I read an article the other day about the Great Barrier Reef being substantially damaged as a result. But you see, this is part of the problem, too, with science nowadays. Obviously, a lot of scientists have to depend on government largesse to do their work. But we have, of course, certain politicians who want to cut the budgets for everything except for the tax cuts to be put into their pockets. So they won't fund anything. They don't believe in science. They don't believe in roads and bridges either, I gather. Maybe they just want to use their helicopters. But whatever it is, if there is a hostility to science, how does a young scientist who wants to make a difference, what do they do?
9: (laughs) With great difficulty. Yeah, I was actually uh, diving on the Great Barrier Reef in uh, December, and you can certainly see it. The areas that there's some areas that have been protected uh, by the UNESCO, but those are actually uh, fairly small. Now you do hear debates uh, even down there. We had oceanographers are saying, "Well, it's." It's not dying off in its entirety. The other thing to remember is the Great Barrier Reef has that name for a reason. We literally sailed past it for three days, uh, so you're talking of a, a huge area. But you are seeing quite a bit of it uh, you know, bleached out, dying off.
3: Yeah, which is sad because it is considered the largest living or- superorganism on the planet. and. You know, what we're doing to the Pacific Ocean, I, I, you know, I wish we had time to get into a whole conversation about Fukushima, you know, the lack of media coverage of that absolute environmental, probably the worst environmental catastrophe caused by humans, uh, besides possibly, I mean, you could go in and say global warming could be um, about as bad. But we have effectively, you know, written a death sentence for the Pacific Ocean if something's not done with uh, the Fukushima problem, with uh, pouring millions of uh, gallons of highly irradiated water into the Pacific Ocean. Not to mention the uh, Central Pacific uh, plastic uh, gyre that is just sitting there.
9: That, I I think, is a bigger issue, frankly.
3: So you don't think that the Fukushima issue... Do you still eat sushi?
9: (laughs) I, frankly, don't care for bait, but uh, that's a personal choice.
3: You think raw fish should be used as bait? Yeah. <laughs> well, every time I have it, I, know I love it. It's one of my favorite cuisines. I just I bless the food and say, please let there not be a hot particle in this uh, fish. that's top of the food chain, mm-hmm. <laughs> or near the top, I well, should say.
9: A, a day without radiation is a day without sunshine.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Well, we we do have a number of questions from one of our listeners. Uh, SRL has been a faithful Paracast listener for uh, going on six years. He's almost up to a 1,000 questions or messages on our uh, forum. And again, if you're a listener uh, to the Paracast, you can sign up at our forum and go to the question bank at forum.theparacast.com where you can ask questions of our wonderful esteemed guests like today's John Alexander. And uh, SRL considers himself a facilitator of peace and tranquility, and he's 45% jaded, 40% disenchanted, and 15% lemming. (laughs) Uh, Some of our listeners really do have senses of humor. Well, he's got a bunch of questions here, and a number of them, of course, uh, as you would think uh, are about the Skinwalker Ranch, the so-called Skinwalker Ranch, which I've never liked that name, by the way.
9: That came after the fact. Uh, you know, that was,
3: yeah. well, that was
9: something that, that outsiders added, not, uh, not something like
3: uh, yeah. And I don't think it's very accurate. But the one question that's uh, interesting here uh, that I want to start with is, you know, what's your opinion of why Robert Biglow would request that George Knapp not share publicly uh, this particular video of an orb navigating around a doorway at the former Sherman residence. And, you know, he also points out that Jacques Vallée in the past has stated that Bigelow has not concealed additional earth-shattering data besides what's already been released into the public domain through, obviously, the reports that, uh, uh, and very good reports, I might add, that Nibs, uh published and, of course, the Knapp and Kelleher book. Um, do you know about this video? Uh, is this something what that you're aware ask? of?
9: I'm not sure what the question is. I think the short answer is no, but uh, what are we talking about?
3: Well, he's he's wondering that, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, is, is there still science going on up there is, is one of the questions. Uh, That's to my sp-
9: knowledge, no, um, but I'm totally out of that loop.
3: Yeah. Well, the assumption, the knee-jerk assumption out there is after almost 20 years, um, up there, that uh, in in those first uh, seven or eight years, were, we're fairly intense with with personnel on the ground, equipment, that sort of thing. That that some sort of uh, data that may be of a titillating nature, I might add, had been collected, but because it it couldn't be replicated, it was not uh, released. Um, Folks, we break now, and then we
2: have John's answer. Okay. More to come with John B. Alexander and Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today
8: This is David Cordani, CEO of Cigna. For more than 20 years, Cigna has worked with the March of Dimes to address premature births in the U.S. Premature births cause horrible suffering and cost billions of dollars each year. That's why Cigna is committed to raising funds and awareness through our employees, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies. Please join us in supporting the March for Babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org.
5: Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non attorney spokesperson, injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office Las Vegas, Nevada.
13: This is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is from the future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: Colonel Alexander, what's your answer to our listener's question?
9: There's a couple of reasons why interest dropped off, and one of them was lack of activity that really changed and this gets more to something we discussed earlier and that was you know the trickster effect and the whatnot. that we just had you know just not enough going on but, uh, again for a while things were happening with a fair degree of regularity and then that uh, that changed over time so I think that's certainly a piece of it uh, another and something that's I think far more important is that you know, created Bigelow Aerospace, you know, in the news in the last couple of days uh, has been that the uh, astronaut they just launched a, uh, an inflatable system that was uh, up to the ISS, and uh, the news was that somebody had actually entered the uh, compartment that they sent up. Uh,
3: right, and it's just- been inflated uh, uh, successfully, I might add.
9: Yes. Yeah, it, it played it successfully. But the, the most recent news was somebody actually entered that uh, container. Uh, they did say it was very cold uh, in there. I think he said the internal temperature was uh, uh, 44 degrees. Um, I guess they'll have to work out how to do that. But certainly, uh, you know, his attention got very centrally focused on that, and right. with that, uh, included allocation of resources, which were definitely uh, finite. So, uh, like I say, I guess the combination of all the things going on it's, it's kind of not surprising that we've gone from it. Well, Bob has always been, you know, relatively secretive. I guess his approach is his money. He can do what he want with it, and right. that's probably true.
15: Yeah.
9: I, I don't
3: see it as a nefarious thing, though. Yeah, Well, you promise. know, again, it, I think you brought up a very interesting point. It, it's a private effort by a private individual, and it's totally up to him how much or how little is going to be made public. Uh, the fact that he, uh, you know, I think was fairly... Uh, he, I really don't know his thinking about uh, the the Kelleher-Nap book, but I'm I'm sure he didn't foresee that the book, instead of putting the whole thing kind of to rest and giving people something to chew on, basically what it ended up doing is fanning the flames of attention, I think, and all through the early 2000s we saw an an incredible amount of attention being placed up there with people just arriving in droves. uh, Have you seen this book?
9: Some people watch for them that I just heard from uh, George Knapp is uh, Sixty Minutes has done a piece uh, on Bigelow, and we're just not sure when they were going to air it. So they had hoped to run it in May, but uh, they were waiting for the Musk uh, launch till the thing actually got up there. Uh, But if you want something that's going to generate interest, I think Sixty Minutes will do far more than any uh, book.
3: Yeah, or any dogmen smoking cigarettes across the pasture. (laughs) I love that story. You know, there's uh, some uh, pretty interesting books that have come out here uh, in the last few years, including one by an alleged um, security guard up there who says that, you know, they they had some experiences. And, of course, Ryan Skinner's uh, succession of books about his particular monitoring of the ranch on occasion you know what would happen if uh, let's say uh, we had a huge wave of activity just spring up there do you think that big uh, that that uh, mr bigelow would would go ahead and attempt to marshal some uh, resources to get some scientists back up there let's say if 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 stuff really started hitting the fan there do you do you uh, think it still has I, that know, I guess
9: you'd have to ask him that oh. yeah don't know. And uh, remember, this uh, the stuff that's going on with NASA, we had watched some of that. Now, one of the things that I did, I don't know if I mentioned in the book, but as you know, I knew Bert Rutan, who had won the X Prize putting Mike Melville into space. Great honor. I was actually there on the ground the day that uh, that, that happened. Uh, again, with uh, Bigelow w- working in this, Frankly, moving at light speed. Uh, the point with Burt was that he had done for an estimated twenty-five million. Created a new rocket, new uh, launch vehicle, the uh, uh, White Knight, and uh, all the accoutrements that, that with that. My point in all this is that he and Bigelow are doing the same thing, and that is attacking the business model. The uh, the point with that biotribe on Bert was that with all the things he had done quite effectively, and what I like about uh, him is he tells you what he's done. I mean, everybody was expecting biograph and engineering telling you what they're going to do. You know, he tells you what he's done. He said did that for twenty five million, and the uh, NASA couldn't have done the paperwork for twenty five million. <laughs> uh with Bigelow I actually had access to some of his numbers and was doing some guessing and I talked to him about it. This was a couple of years back and I said, My guess is that and what I was doing was basing the cubic uh space available up there compared to ISS and um I said, My guess is that you have a thirty to one uh cost advantage. And the response was that would be uh, conservative.
3: It just goes to show you that when it comes to um, government funding versus uh, you know the inspiration of 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 private private business, uh, things get done not only do they get done more efficiently and faster, but they tend to uh, you know because of that commercial uh marketplace um always hovering in the background uh it, it, it tends to be more viable in i think in a a more uh, timely manner
2: well there are i think there are functions the government would routinely do that don't work well in private industry because the profit motive can affect it that's why jail well private jails is one also possibly healthcare Although they're limited oh, in the amount of profits single, by yeah, the current...
9: I have to be for single payer.
2: Health care, perhaps, because there are inefficiencies in the fact that 20% of your health care dollar, or 25%, will go to the health care insurance company's profits. You were about to say, John.
9: Yeah. No, I was going to say I, I am for a single payer. And... uh, uh yeah, the problem is that this stuff is being run by the insurance companies and for the insurance companies.
2: This is what people forget about the healthcare law in the U.S., which is it was designed by the Republican Heritage Foundation in 1989. That exact plan with the mandate for you to buy insurance was then picked up by Mitt Romney in Massachusetts before being adapted by the same people who developed the Massachusetts plan for Obama. But as soon as he did it, it had to be wrong even though it was as I said, just a federal version of a state plan. But right. it is a give back, a giveaway to private industry, the private insurance companies. Now we don't always get a chance to tell you about future episodes, but now we can. So next week on the Powercast, we'll have a Breakaway Civilizations roundtable. Our guest will be very prolific author Joseph Farrell, and we'll also hear from Walter Bosley, who will be a member of the panel. That's next week's episode of the PowerCast on Breakaway Civilizations. And the following week, we'll be talking to Robert Damon Schneck. And he's author of a book called The Bye Bye Man. How's that for a title, folks? The Bye Bye Man and Other Strange But True Tales. Kind of like ghost stories and such. We haven't had a good ghost story episode in quite a while. So that's going to be two weeks from now. And we've got a lot of other stuff in the works. Check out our forums at forum.theparacast.com for news of upcoming episodes and a chance to ask questions of our guests. We've got a lot more to come. With Colonel John Alexander, a few more questions from listeners and more with Gene and Chris. You're in the (laughs) Paracast.
19: The best-kept secret in the firearms business is cdnnsports.com. CDNN Sports is the largest firearms liquidator in the U.S. We've got optics, accessories, gun parts, magazines, ammunition, and more. Sign up for our email specials today for the best gun deals, period. You will also be entered to win a Winchester 101 Field Shotgun. Go to Charlie, Delta, November, novembersports.com. That's cdnnsports.com. Are you
4: worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did.
21: Imagine your life five years from now. Are you on the path you want to be on? It's time to take control of your future by getting a world-class education from one of the nation's top universities. Arizona State University is now offering over 100 top-tier degree programs 100% online. It's the exact same degree our on-campus students receive, but you can learn from anywhere in the country on your own schedule. For information, call 1 800 939 9634. Learn from ASU's world renowned faculty and use ASU's global recognition to improve your visibility, professional network, and gain real world experience you can start using today. The Wall Street Journal ranked ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. Now discover how ASU Online can stand out on your resume and help separate you from the competition. We're ready to help you learn to thrive in your life, in your career and beyond. To learn more about ASU online degrees, call 1-800-939-9634. That's 1-800-939-9634.
17: As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight.
16: Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
2: So I don't know if you want to go any further into that, John, before we get to more questions on the Paracast.
9: (laughs) No, I I do think health care is an issue that, that needs to be looked at very you know, as... We are almost last in the technologically developed uh, countries. We pay more, and yet uh, what's delivered is far less than what you see in other technical developed countries. Uh, you know, are we we're now at a position where we're starting to see certain demographics with a declining life expectancy. We got areas of the country where infant mortality is worse than parts of. Uh, darkest africa you know if we, we go on you could do a whole program on on that but we've created a uh, illness profit industry as Stephen schwartz likes to say
3: let's not forget the you know the whole malpractice issue too i think the amount of testing that goes on uh, which is basically to cover the doctor's uh the ass if for lack of a better term the redundancies and um, and just endless tests, uh, just to make sure that you know there's no malpractice issues of uh, and and doctors are, are you know are not being. Let's put it this there's way. the
9: problem though is there's absolutely no price control. Uh, I don't know if you've yeah. ever had an actual bill from hospital. One of my favorite ones. It was in the hospital, and a vitamin A pill that they had given. I forget the exact cost, but it costed out at 28,000 times, which you would go just going to the store and buying the pill uh, outright. It's just outrageous.
3: Well, I think it, it verges on criminal myself. Uh, $60 for a single aspirin at an emergency uh, yeah. uh, facility, uh, it's just... You know, and what we're seeing is people not being able to afford uh, their medication. They have to pick between, between uh, feeding themselves and their families and, and and medicine. I mean, it's ridiculous when you go in. You have I quit smoking about 16, 17 months ago, and you know I've, I'm I'm dealing with with some small and minor uh, COPD issues, but just a, an emergency inhaler, which you used to be able to get a little primatine sprayer for about fourteen dollars. I mean, you're talking seventy, eighty dollars for something that uh, probably costs pennies to to manufacture. And again, you know, I don't want to get into a debate of the capitalist system and and shareholders and and making sure that your your quarter earnings reports are okay to your uh, to your shareholders and any of that. But I think there definitely has to be a cap placed on just the outrageousness of uh, of medicine and, and pharmaceutical costs and, and medical care costs. Look at that uh, Shaxvili character, whoever he was, that bought the AIDS medicine and jacked the price up like he did. He became the po- poster boy for this whole subject. I would One would hope that that kind of momentum will continue through the industry and that uh, the, the rampant greed, uh, I, I mean, you can't really call it anything else. The rampant greed is addressed for the sake and, and well-being of, of our health.
9: I think one of the big issues that is overlooked, though, is people have talked about certain rates increasing, and they certainly have. But there seems to be a myth that those costs didn't exist previously. And the answer is yes, it did. The people who were off now have some health care that didn't before. Many of them were, in fact, getting health care. The point was they were going to emergency rooms, a very expensive option on doing it, and it was getting paid just through your tax dollars. You just didn't happen to see it uh, identified as such.
3: Well, I, awesome. I think that's we're, we're going to see more and more of that. I, th- I think it's uh, it's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of a problem here uh, in the in the near future. I think more and more people who can't afford. Healthcare care, can't afford medicines, are using emergency rooms as their primary care. And that's that's it's why we're seeing reduced life option. expectancy.
9: No, I'd say that that's just an expensive option.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and everybody else uh, ends up paying for it. That was one of the purposes of the health care law, to get people
2: out of emergency rooms and to make right. health care available to almost everyone. But then the Supreme Court, in kind of finagling with the law, said that the states don't have to have Medicaid. And therefore, if they don't have Medicaid, what happens? The people in those states go to the emergency rooms.
9: Right. Well, you're raising a macro issue there, and that is are we and do we still want to be a republic?
2: Well, that's going to be something which is way beyond the scope of the show with these UFOs <laughs> and the paranormal. And we're talking about scientists you know, having difficulty getting grants. But this is also one of the reasons why these subjects never get investigated because a scientist will have to be independently wealthy to consider it because right now you have to look at the situation. Grant money is difficult to get. Maybe private industry will give it to them. The second thing is they've got the student loans to pay off. You want to get a doctorate in anything, well, you have a hundred thousand dollars in student loans, sure. so but you're in. So you have to have two jobs anyway, and the second one's going to be at Wendy's. <laughs> the,
9: the, the problem is bigger, um, and I've used you know some actual numbers, and and this gets back to the world view. If you're doing things that are materialistic, and we can cut, you know, we start looking for the God particle. Uh, and I think we're now down to pettiquarks and things of that nature, words so we can get it smaller and smaller. We are willing to put and have put about uh, almost $18 billion into a large uh, Hadron Collider. Um, how much money is in UFO research? <laughs> the point is, research can be expensive. Uh, but when you start by what are you going to research, I use a, a similar example in uh, near-death studies, a continuation of consciousness beyond bodily death. This is something that really does impact you know, virtually 100% of society, and yet almost no research uh, efforts involved in that. You get a few private foundations who, you know, dribble, but nothing compared to what you're putting into finding the God particle.
2: Well, you have to understand if a major drug company wanted to finance it because they'll come up with some kind of medical development where they can sell the drug for $100,000 a month, I assure you they'll find the money. Uh,
9: well, but remember, they're, they're generally funded because you die. <laughs> you know?
2: Right, so there's nobody to we're pay to them.
9: So if we're going to say, by the way, dying may not be as bad as um, you know what we think, uh, that's not the solution they would like to achieve.
3: Yeah, well, it's like the American Cancer Society and cancer research. I mean, you wouldn't have this multi-billion-dollar industry if there was a cure for cancer. It'd be a lot of people out of jobs and. Uh, all those monies uh, being allocated to the problem would go elsewhere. And so you have kind of a, you know, a sort of a self-perpetuating treadmill of money being spent and uh, no results really coming from it or very, very little results.
2: The long and short of it is there's no money in it for people who want to investigate UFOs, Bigfoot, et cetera. John Alexander, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you write about
9: best place, I'd guess, is uh, my website, uh, or you can Google. I've done a number of articles for uh, Huffington Post. Most of them are in the straight world, including things like how to defeat ISIS without uh, American troops. But uh, all of them are linked on my website. The easiest way to get that, rather than remember, is just Google my name, John B., the middle initial, Alexander.
2: You can find us on Twitter if you look for the PowerCast. We have two PowerCast fan clubs. One's a community, one's a group on Facebook, and we can't merge them. We have, after the PowerCast, the show where we wrap things up. We have more guests. We talk about things that don't go bump in the night. We talk about anything that strikes her fancy, even nasty letters from listeners about Chris being grumpy. And with the language is a little freer on After the Paracast. You can only get it if you subscribe to The Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com. So we offer After the Paracast, the commercial-free version of this show and higher quality audio and lots of other features. Check them out. Go to plus.theparacast.com. Once again, plu TheParacast.com. John B. Alexander, thanks for joining us on The Paracast.